you know, most, most churches in the middle of the summer, July especially, most pastors, we hate the summer because everybody goes out of town, everybody's on vacation. And so a lot of churches, what they'll do in the middle of the summer, they just, just coast. And you're just, you know, comfortable. And usually what I tell people is, yeah, take time off, but don't take like three months off, right, from church. This last week, rather than just coasting, rather than just like just saying, you know, it's the summer, we don't do anything, what we decided was to do a little, something a little bit different. We said, what if, rather than just coasting and just take, a, take the month off, what if as a church we decide to serve the community? And so this last week, and we'll share some of these numbers later, but um, we had um, 247 initiatives, 247 different times where we could feed people, where we could help people, do some yard work. So we had 247 opportunities to do it. Of the 247, we had 205 opportunities that as a church, we said, you know what, we're going to go and we're going to meet those needs, 205 slots. A total of 463 hours serving the community and I said man that's like we should we should celebrate that as a church you know there's a lot of things that we could be doing but I don't know that it's one thing to tell someone we love you and it's a totally different ball game to in tangible ways say this is how we love you. And I was just talking to somebody right before the service who said, oh my goodness, you're not going to believe what they did. Like, please, can I say thank you? Can I, where can I write it? I just want to tell the church. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what has happened. And so, and you know, you can tell your spouse, you can tell, you can tell her or him, you can say, you know, I love you. Or in my case, you can say, uh, honey, I'm going to do the dishes for you, right? Two different things, right? They're both important. But if I actually do the dishes, you know, man, now I know that you love me, right? And so that's what we want to do. A lot of churches say, yeah, we love the community. We love people. But, um, you know, uh, are you spending money on the community? Are you spending time with the community? And so I appreciate those of you who contributed with your time, your resources, your money. It was an incredible, incredible week. You'll see a little bit, uh, a little bit, we'll, we'll be celebrating the next few, um, the next few weeks for sure. Um, okay, so if this is your first time with us, I want to welcome you. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are thrilled to have you here, uh, whether it's here in person or you, if you're following us online or on uh, Facebook, YouTube channel, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're in the middle of a series called Blueprint, and uh, we're really looking forward to uh, studying this chapter with you. So Ephesians chapter 4, I want to begin with a quote that I heard a while back, and I think it's, um, it'll be good to, to set the tone for the message. And it says this, if a flower does not bloom, okay, do you blame the flower or do you blame its environment? All right, let me, let me say it again, okay? If a, if a flower, if a plant does not bloom, what do you blame? Do you blame the flower? Do you blame the plant? Or do you look at its environment and you say, what's wrong with the environment? In other words, do you look at, you know, uh, is it getting enough sunlight? 
Is it, uh, do you look at the soil? Is it getting the right nutrients from, from the soil? Do you, do you say, you know what, um, you know, the air around it, is there enough humidity? Is there, like, do you, uh, is it getting enough uh, sunlight? Whatever. Do you, what, which one do you do? Do you blame the plant or do you check the environment? And most of us, we, we would say, you know, no, you check, you check the environment, right? Well, in a very real sense, you and I, we're like this plant. We're like a flower. And so if you feel like maybe you're not growing spiritually, maybe you're at a kind of a, a place, and we've all been there, right? Like you're just kind of coasting. You know, if you're at a place in your spiritual walk where it's like you're just sprouting, you're not, you're not, you're not sprouting, you're not blooming the right way, then I would say the reasonable thing to do is not to just trash the plant, right? It's to check its environment. And so for you, it may be asking, you know, like, who, who have I been hanging out with? It may be like, what Instagrams am I scrolling through? It may be like, what spaces, what am I allowed to be on my feed? What, what's my mind been telling me? Because if you don't have control of your mind, your mind can say things to you that are not healthy for you or for me. And so you don't just say, you know what, I'm done with life. I'm going to, you don't just trash the plant, right? You look at the environment. And, um, and you ask those questions. I often tell our leaders here at the church, healthy things grow. Say that, say that with me. Healthy things grow. So let's, let's say it one more time. Healthy things grow. Let's all say it together. Ready? Like say it with enthusiasm, all right? Ready? One, two, three. Healthy things grow. Fantastic. So a while back, I think it was a couple of years, two, three years ago, Leah uh, wanted to grow tomatoes. Now, you got to understand something about us as a family. We do not have a green thumb, like, at all, okay? Like, we don't keep any—all of our plants at the house— like they're all fake they're all or they have died one of those one, one of those two scenarios they're they're fake or they've they're they're dead the only thing we keep alive is the kids all right and barely you know they can barely stay alive and so one a while back it was like just a random day she's like i want to grow tomatoes and I, you know i kind of chuckle kind of and it's like, yeah, we've, we've tried that before. We've been married for a, a long time, and I know how that story goes, but I didn't say anything. So she went to the store, and she bought, you know, the pot and the soil and the plant and all, you know, and it was like a whole process, you know, figure out where the sunlight needs to hit it, and every day she's watering it. And I, you know, I'm kind of like, I know that, the, you know, I'm kind of a stereotypical guy, like I know that this is happening, but it's like in the, Background. It's not like I'm not really paying attention. And one day, like after probably three or four days in a row, where she's like, we have tomatoes, and they're growing, and that excitement, you know, it's like, in my mind, I was thinking, like, we're going to feed the family. Like, you know, I'm thinking, you know, big, juicy tomatoes, you know. And so I go out there, and I look at this plant, and I see two little <laughs> dots smaller than a small grave, and I'm like, this is what you're getting all excited about. We got tomatoes. We got two little things, right? Well, she was excited because healthy things grow. And it's like, it's like if, you've, um, if you've ever 
had a child, a baby, baby boy, a baby girl. You look at them, and you love them. And, and for, for many of us, you look at them, and they're like, oh, man, I just don't want them to grow. You want them to stay little, you know? Some of us say, you know, I hope you grow, and, and you know, 18, and you're out, you know? But that's another story. Um, but, you know, you're, you're looking at them, and you're like, oh, I love, especially when they're asleep, right? And, um, and we say, like, we don't, we don't want them, we don't want them to, to grow up. But the truth is we do. And if, if by any chance they would not grow, like you would be concerned if you're not gaining weight, if they're not, you know, stretching out, if they're not growing, you would, you would be concerned. And I say all that to say this. I know it's been a little bit of a longer intro, but I say that to say this. If today you have a desire to grow, and we're talking spiritually, right? And I, I believe that you do because you're here. I don't, you know, hopefully nobody made you come here, and I believe that, believe that you're tuning in, you're engaging today, so I, I would assume that, like, man, I'm ready to grow, I want to get better, and so if you're here today, and you're like, you don't consider yourself like a perfect human, like you've arrived, and you're like, no, there's potentially a better version of me, there's potentially, I can, I can improve spiritually. If that is your heart, if you're here today, either watching, listening, and you're like, you know what? I, I really believe that there is there's more in me. That's your heart. Here's what I want to do, if you would allow me. I want to challenge you, okay? I want to challenge you with, I, I w- sort of want to be like your spiritual coach, if you allow me, for 20 minutes, okay? Unless I go over and maybe 30, all right? But we'll try to keep it. Um, but for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I want to I get in your face a little bit, if you allow me to, and I want to be your spiritual coach, and I want to share three attitudes that we were going to find in Ephesians chapter 4 that you ought to cultivate. Just like the plant, you don't blame the plant, you blame its environment. There are three attitudes that I really believe that you ought to cultivate in your life so that you can actually you can see growth. Healthy things grow. Just like the water and the sunlight and the nutrients from the soil. You know, just what those three things are to, to the plant. In the same way, these three attitudes, they're the same thing to you so we're Ephesians chapter 1 let's get into it it says this therefore I this is Paul speaking um, and he says a prisoner for serving the Lord now help me read the word that's underlined when I get to it let's all say it out loud all right so it says I a, uh, he was in prison when he wrote this letter um, and so and we talked about his identity but that was previous messages even though the Romans had put him in there the Jews had actually blamed him for teaching things that they did not like. He never says, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a prisoner of the Romans or the Jews. You know, he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ, which speaks to his identity. Go back and listen to the, the previous message. But he says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life, let's say it together, worthy of your calling. So Paul is looking at the Ephesians and he's saying, I need you to lead, lead a life worthy of your calling because it's God who has called you. You've been called by God. And we talked about this in the first week that God does not call us saints, uh, uh, sinners, excuse me. He calls us saints, which means set apart for a special purpose. So God looks at you. If you receive his love, in your life, God looks at you and he says, you are a saint. He, he's putting on uh, some goggles and he's, he's saying, I view you not as a sinner, but I view you through 
Jesus Christ. And then he says, you've been called by God. So make sure that when you lead your life, it's worthy of the one who has called you. Verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We'll talk about that in a minute. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourself together with peace. What does that mean? We'll, we'll look at it in a minute. For there's one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. So three attitudes to cultivate growth so you can grow. The first one is excellence. We're talking about spiritual excellence. What, what do you mean, Pastor Alex? Spiritual excellence. I'm talking about not being just the, your average Christian. I'm talking about not, not, don't settle for less. I'm talking about being a little bit different. So one of the things you probably heard me say before, um, excellence inspires people and honors God. If you lead your life with excellence, not only will it inspire people, but they'll, they'll, like, they'll notice, man, there's something different about you. And they'll, they'll notice, like, man, there's, there's just something different about this person. So when Paul says, I beg you, I beg you, lead a life worthy of your calling, what is he talking about? Well, the rest of the chapter, he gives us a bunch of verses telling us what spiritual excellence actually looks like. Look, look like. So let me, let me give you a few, okay? I'm going to give you five different verses, same chapter. So in verse 15, he'll say, Don't be like immature children, but instead speak truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Now, anybody can tell you what you want to hear. It takes someone with tremendous spiritual maturity to look at you and lovingly say, Hey, you're off track in this area of your life. Anybody can just make you feel good, right? Anybody can just say any good thing that, you know, just tickle your ears and just make you feel like, oh, you know. But it really takes a, a true friend to look at you in the eye and have a meeting with you and say, look, I've, I've seen something in your life that's not good. And so Paul says, hey, you want to lead well? Speak the truth in love. Let me give you a few more, four more, real quick. Verse 25, he says, stop telling lies. Let us um, tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. What's God saying? He's saying, be a person of integrity. One of the greatest dangers to Christianity is shady Christians. Think about that for a moment. One of the greatest dangers to Christianity is shady Christians. And so he's saying, be different. Be a person of integrity. Don't just bend the truth so you can get the next deal. Don't just, you know, hide information from your spouse. I know you bought that thing, and it was more expensive than you thought it was going to be. And you're, you don't want to tell him, or you don't want to tell, has any, any of that ever happened? You know, you bought, I'm speaking from experience here, right? Thank you, guys. I pre thank you for your honesty. I appreciate it. I'm not the only one. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know what? I may have, I probably should have run this, this by my, my wife, right? Uh, well, don't hide it. Don't try to bend the truth. Don't try to no, rise above spiritual excellence. Verse 26 and 27. Here's another one. And I know these are sort of, they're all over the place, right? Uh, he says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. 
Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. You want to be spiritually mature? You want to grow? You want to exercise spiritual excellence? It says do all you can not to go to bed, not to go to bed angry. You know, don't che- the easy thing is to check out. Grab your pillow and, you know, sleep on the couch, right? That's an easy thing to do. And it, this may be in, in your relationship with your spouse. This may be a relationship with a group of friends or with a, a group of coworkers. The easy thing to do is to just check out, ignore it, pretend it's not there. God says, no, if you're angry, do everything that you can to work it out. Don't be just like the average person. Don't settle for less. Here's another one. Okay, two more. Uh, if you're a thief, quit stealing Instead, use your hands for good hard work. Use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to, generously to those uh, to uh, others in need. Be a generous person. That's what Share the Love's been. You know, while every church is kind of closing, you know, the doors in the summer, we're just hibernating. You know, we're just, just kind of trying to push through. No, 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 let's, let's be a little bit different. So be a different individual. Here's another one, Okay talking about raising the bar i know this one will step on some some toes 29 don't use foul language or abusive language let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them now i know i gave you lots of you know to do's and lots of like rapid fire right boom 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 and they're all like different right it's like okay you're kind of punching from all directions what, what are you doing well let's let's just step back for a moment and look at the the chapter holistically okay let's just look at the whole thing what's god saying here's what god's saying and remember kind of side note real quick the beginning chapters of ephesians god is teaching us who we are in christ Okay, chapter 1, 2, and 3, he's saying you're special. He's saying you are, he calls us saints, you know, set aside for, for, uh, for a special purpose. Beginning chapters of the book of Ephesians, he's saying, um, you know, you are chosen. The last chapters, 4, 5, and, and 6, basically he's telling us what to do in Christ. It's like the, the illustration I gave you earlier. I can tell you I love you, or I can prove to you that I love you. They're both necessary, but one without the other is not not good enough. And so right now, what he's saying is, I think, watch this, God's not, it's not, he's not trying to give you a bunch of, of verses and a bunch of rules. That's not what he's doing. He's looking at you and he's saying, I think your world would be better if you don't run around lying and cheating one with one another. I think you would appreciate living in a, in a community where there's no, so, no um, where there is not as much corruption, whether it's political or whatever you call it. I think it would be, be a better place if you don't run around killing each other, right? Like, I think that, you know, if you could, I think you could do away with no more mass shootings, right? I think you would appreciate living in a world where people are, try to be honest, and they try to lift each other up, and they, they try to, you know, be generous with, with what I've provided for them. So this is not a series of rules or to-dos that we check off. This is more of like, hey, I know what's best, and I think it would be good if you don't use abusive language, if you stop cheating if you stop uh, stealing if instead you work hard with your hands and so all of it to say be different 
Just don't, don't be like the average Christian. You know? I, um, so true confession. Sometimes I'm embarrassed to say I'm a Christian. Uh, true story. Last week, I was with this guy that's doing some work for the church. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm actually hiring this other person. And I said, I said, he's a Christian. And immediately I had to... I had to define what that looked like. I had to qualify it. It's like, no, 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 he's like the real deal. Like he's not just, you know, like he's, because often Christians, we've given Jesus followers a bad rap. And getting to the point where it's like, man, I don't, if I see the fish on their business, it's like, ooh, I don't know. Do I want to, you know? And so Paul is saying, raise the bar. You want to grow spiritually? Raise the bar. Take on this attitude of excellence. Number two, he says, if you want to grow, cultivate humility. Let's look at it in verse two. Watch this. It says, cultivate humility. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. And I've never noticed this phrase right here. Making allowance for each other's faults. That's from the New Living Translation. Other translations are a little bit different. But it really spoke to me. Making allowance for each other's faults. What's that talking about? I, I think it's talking about humility. That whole verse, in my opinion, it's, it's about humility. It's, it's in your relationship with your spouse, any kind of relationship, your relationship with your kids, your coworkers, your superiors. It takes a tremendous amount of humility to create some space, okay, where people can like you're 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 being intentional you're going to create space where in that space people are going to make some mistakes it's it's leading with grace to do that you know i'm not saying that you're going to you're going to ignore sin that's not what i'm telling you what i'm saying is it takes a a tremendous like a a very humble person to say, you know what, in my life, in my relationships with my spouse, with my kids, I'm going to intentionally open up, I'm going to create some space where they can make some mistakes. I guess what I'm trying to say is where, where I'm not going to be so quick to jump at them and judge them. It takes a, an incredible amount of humility to do that. And he says... Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Think of the, the woman who was caught in adultery, right? Remember how Jesus treated her? Think of um, all the times that God's forgiven you, like the Lord's prayer, right? What does he teach us? Father, forgive us as we forgive them. To me, that's always said, like, Lord, as I'm, like, it's in the process as I'm forgiving them and them and what they did and what they said. And in, as I'm in, in, in that process of forgiving them, God, forgive me too because I've screwed up. It's, uh, it's a story where, where he looks at you and I, Jesus, and he says, if you're bringing your gift to the altar, if you're bringing your offering, which is a big deal, right? It's an act of worship. What you're saying is, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances enough to the first portion is going to go to you. And he says, if you're bringing your gift, and in that moment, you remember that you have so somebody who's got something against you, as important as that is, and it is an act of worship, you're going to put it aside, he says, 
and you're going to make it right with your brother. Now, it's interesting if you look at the language. It doesn't say if at that moment you, um, you find out that, um, that you have something against them. No. He says in that moment, if you find out that they have something against you. Because a lot of times, what do we do? We wash our hands. You know, I've forgiven them. I'm good. It's all good. And you don't have anything to do with them. But Jesus takes it once again to the next level. And he says, no, 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 no. If you know that they have something against you and they just haven't taken the initiative, that's all good. You leave the gift. Go make it right. What's that about? Humility. Humility. Sometimes people think humility is seeing ourselves as less important. If you make humility putting yourself down, what you're doing is putting God's creation down. So humility is actually lifting up God. Humility is saying, God, you are greater, so much greater than me. And I need you, and you're, I mean, the way you think, the way, you, the things that you do, and that everything about you is greater than me. And because you're so much greater than me, Lord, I'm going to submit to that. I'm going to put myself under that. You know, a prideful person is the opposite, right? A prideful, prideful person says, you know what, I'm going to handle things my own way. Lord, I, I know what you say, but you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do whatever. I'm going to just do life my own way. That's that's the difference, you know. In the Greek, <laughs> I, love, I love this word. It's a long word. I'm going to teach you Greek today. Is that all right? We're almost done here. Um, there's a, this word humility. Let me see if I can say it. Uh, it's the word tape no fro sune. That's a long word, all right? Um, tape no fro sune. Can you guys say that with me? Can we say it? You repeat after me. Tape. Good job. No. Fro. Sune. We're going to get this one down. All right, let's do it a couple more times. Tape. No. Fro. Sune. All right, let's, let's do it like all at once. Ready? One, two, three. Tape. No. Fro. Sune. All right, one more time. Say it. All right, I tried, okay? <laughs> it's a mouthful. So it's really cool because in the Greek mind, when they heard this however you say it, when, you, when they heard that word, it was a little bit different than when you and I hear the word humility. To the Greek mind, humility is an inside-out virtue that's actually produced by comparing yourself to God. Not to other people. That's what we do, right? We compare ourselves to other people. So in the Greek mind, this word humility is when you look at what's going on inside of you. And the Bible says that the heart is deceitful, right? Like, like we all know. Like I know my own junk. I don't expose it out there. Like I know my own faults and my own sins and my worries and my lack of trust and all of that. For the, in the Greek mind, humility is when I would open myself up and whatever's good or bad and it's in there, I, I basically expose it and I compare it to who God is. And so humility is produced by comparing your virtues with God's. Basically, you say, God, you're so much holier than me. It's the song, The Goodness of, of God, right, that we were singing a second ago. God, you're so, you've never failed me. 
Lord, I don't care how, much, how many times I've screwed up. You've always been on the throne. You're always for me, not against me. That's what humility is. It puts you in the proper place. Now, often we think that, and I, and I think it's all the variables against us, right? Like the world is not something that we're taught, um, but we think we got to be strong, right? We got to push through. We got to just be able to, that's how the world tries to make it through life. Um, <clears throat> but what I found out is that humility is not actually a weakness, it's actually a strength. I found out that humility, it's actually, uh, like, have you ever met somebody that's, that's legitimately, a, like, a humble person? Humility is attractive. Like, it appeals to people. There's not much of it in the world, right? And so when you find someone that's truly, not, I'm not talking about the fake the religious stuff. That's not what I'm, I'm talking about when you find someone that's truly a, 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 a humble person, it's, it's attractive, right? It's like, man, I want to be like that person. Let me, let me prove it to you. Um, I want you to do this. Take, take 10 seconds, and I want you to picture someone that you may have met in your life that's like a super humble person, all right? I've, I've had time to process the message, so I, like I have somebody in my mind. I want you to take 10 seconds real quick, and um, let me time us so just to give us a little bit of time, right? Um, and think of like the person like the most humble person that you've ever come across, all right? You got it? Most humble person you've ever, what comes to mind? For me, like, man, I want to be like them. They inspire me, you know? I appreciate their meekness, their modesty, their patience with people, their, their lack of, of vanity, I want to I wanna be more like them. Less yelling, less mistakes, less words I have to take back. Like, it's never, it's never like, oh, they're humble, you know, forget them. No, no, it's more like, oh, man, I wish I had more of that in me. Like, what, like, how do you do that? You know, in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself, became obedient to death, death in a cross. As shameful as a, as the cross was in that day and age, that's how much from being an incredible God to not only just becoming a man, but become, making himself obedient to death on a, on a cross. And so that's the attitude that we need to cultivate in our lives. All right, let's, let's wrap up. Quick review. You want to grow spiritually? I challenge you to cultivate three attitudes. Excellence, don't settle for less. Humility, number three, and we'll close with this one, unity, unity. Now, on your chairs, there's um, a note card. Would you grab that and write this down for me, okay? little exercise. We're very hands-on ministry. Nobody can fall asleep on this one. All right, I want you to write down your favorite vacation spot, your favorite food, and your favorite hobby, Okay? So your favorite <clears throat> vacation spot, your favorite food, just one word, and your favorite hobby, all right? While you're doing that, make sure you do it because I'm going to call in somebody here in a, in a few minutes, okay? I don't want to embarrass you. So your favorite vacation spot, favorite food, favorite hobby, and as you're doing that, let me read this verse. It says this. <clears throat> it says, make, verse 3, make every effort 
to keep yourselves united in the spirit binding yourselves together with peace let me explain this uh, let me explain let me illustrate it with a picture can we put a picture of the the aspen trees there you go boom so <clears throat> when you look at aspen trees they're not like one um, organism in it and of itself um, like when you look at at a, at a tree um, it's it's not just a single tree like often like most trees you know you look at it and it's got its roots but they're actually called aspen groves because they're all interconnected so under those trees there is a system of roots now here's the really cool thing about aspen trees when there is a a tree that it's not doing too hot okay the roots will take some of the nutrients from the healthy trees and will send them to the trees that are a little bit sick. And so they're not like a single organism. They're all together. All of them share all the nutrients. Um, I'm told that they all grow in the winter. When most trees don't grow, the aspen trees, they'll grow in the winter. I'm told that the taller trees will soak in the nutrients from the sun and it'll send them to the shorter trees that are under the shade of the, the taller trees, and it'll send the nutrients out to those trees. The smaller trees will get all the, so the, the nutrients from the soil, and it'll shoot it up the tree. And so they're not, they're not just called trees. They're called aspen groves. They're, they're clusters. And I read this, and I, I think it's really cool. The largest grove known to man in, is in Utah. It weighs 6,600 tons, tons. One of the more beautiful trees on earth is actually a grove. Watch this, watch this, don't miss it. A singular organism with a strong root system where... Let me, let me ask you, what does this sound like? Where the healthy support the weak and where nutrients are given to all for the good of the grove or the cluster. What is that a picture of? The church, right? That's why you hear me say, together we can do infinitely more than apart. You see a lot of us wearing the t-shirt, right? Share the love. What is that about? You know, it's, it's share, you know, sharing the love with the community. There's no way that I could have done everything that we've done by myself. There's no way that this initiative of Share the Love is like I could have made the impact. And in the weeks to come, we're going to share some of the stories with you. But there's no, I mean, I could be like a superhuman pastor. There's no way I could have touched as many lives as we've been able to touch. Some of you, you've contributed money to it. Some of you, you've contributed your time. Some of you, you've donated your gifts. Some of, I mean, like some of the gifts that you guys have just blow my mind. And together, we make a difference. Listen to this. You and I may be a part of what is the greatest, the largest, single, living thing in the world. Let's finish.
verse 4, 5, and 6, and we're done. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, in all, and living through all. Now, don't, don't miss the significance of this, okay? Now, earlier, I, I told you to write down some things, right? Okay, here's what I want you to do. We, we're right, way out of time, but, but I want to make this final point. I want you to, let's all at the same time, in unison, okay, let's all say like our favorite uh, vacation spot, okay? Ready? On the count of three, everybody say it with, with enthusiasm. Ready? All of us say your favorite um, vacation spot. One, two, three. Awesome. I don't know what that was, but cool. All right, let's all say your favorite food, okay? Whatever that is, whatever your favorite food, on the count of three, let's all say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, great. Happy for you. What are the chances that I ask you what your favorite hobby is, and all of a sudden, all of us, are going to say the same thing. What are the chances? It would be nearly impossible, right? Right? Here's the beauty of our faith. The Bible is a book, right? It's a collection of books. 66 books. 40 different authors. They've all, they all wrote at different times. Some of them were younger. Some of them were older. Right? They wrote over a, a 16, 1500 uh, peri- year period of time. It wasn't like they all got together and they all wrote, oh, let's come up with a good message. Let's just write, you know, no, no, no. It was throughout a period of 15, 1600 years, okay? They didn't have email. They didn't have, they couldn't contribute online. And yet, even though all of these authors from different languages, different cultures, different personalities, they all wrote their own different books, their own different letters. When you put them together 300 years after Jesus comes into the scene, you have a miracle. What I think it's a miracle. You can't explain it any other way. You have a collection of books that collectively talk about the same king, the same savior, the same body. And I challenge you with this. Verse 3, he says, So make every effort to keep the unity. Make every effort. Do you sense the passion behind it? Do you sense sense the intensity? Make every effort to keep the the unity. And I don't know where that, how that, how God's speaking to you. For, for some of you, it may, it may be your marriage that's falling apart and you're about to give up. For some of you, it may be a family get-together. Anytime you get with your family, it's explosive. For some of you, it may be those ladies at work or those guys that they're in that... In that for, I don't know what God's saying to you, but I believe what He's saying to me, and this is something that I have to practice, don't settle for less. Don't just be an average Christian. 
push through. I beg you, he says, make every effort. And the proof is when Jesus, right before he left earth, what did he tell his, his disciples? He says, if you love one another, if you can actually love one another and not just say it, but just tangible love, the world will know. And your life will be different. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the reminder, God, that if a flower does not bloom, we don't blame the flower. No, we look at its environment. We look at the soil and the, and the sunlight and the air and the humidity and the water. God, thank you that we're not thrown, you're not asking us to trash the plant. You're challenging us to cultivate, to cultivate excellence and humility and unity God we surrender before you and we ask you do what we can't do Father we surrender to your will if it's pride God I ask remove it from our hearts if there's sin, God, remove it. If it's apathy, God, do away with it. Light us on fire for you, Father. Give us the strength, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.